And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Look, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side, because they are the host with the most. They are the ones in charge. They're in the captain's chair. They're at the wheel, and therefore, they are steering the ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome to His Hard Line, episode 540. We're going to be doing a reading out of the final book of Genesis, chapter 50. And then we'll get into our summary, and we'll get a little bit of additional uh, conversation, which is why you will see the plus plus at the end of this show, because there's not going to be a two show night tonight. And yes, it is starting a little early because I have quite a bit of yard work to do. And I also have a, uh, state assembly call. I need to be on, uh, later on at seven 30 and tomorrow I got any prior engagement that, uh, kind of came up that I have to be at after I get done with work. And I'm not sure exactly just how long that will take. It could take a, an hour or it could take a few hours. I have no idea, but there will be a show tomorrow evening, but it'll be later in the evening, possibly one uh, show on Saturday morning. Maybe I'm not sure we will see. Um, as far as right now goes, 
Um, there won't be any podcast on Saturday or Sunday. Sunday, for obvious reasons, it's Mother's Day. But uh, Saturday morning, I may do one. I'm not sure yet, but tomorrow there'll be one, and it'll be a little later. So I do apologize for the goofy times. Listen, this is kind of the joys of uh, you know getting a podcaster, guys. Where, <clears throat> excuse me, who has a regular day job. I don't make my money off of podcasting, at least not yet anyways. Hopefully one day, that'd be great. But, you know, that's not my priority. My priority is to get good, solid information out to you guys. I am doing this completely free, just obviously so you guys know. And I'm not saying that to, you know, uh, give you the old Jewish mother guilt trip. That's not what I'm doing. But you should definitely understand that the whole reason why I don't have a set scheduled time every day is because of the... um, the variables that pop up on a daily basis with the nature of my life, with being involved in the assembly, having a job that, you know, gets me up at 2 a.m. every morning, for that matter, five, six days a week. And it just, it's a very, very hectic schedule. Now, if I ever get to a point down the road where I can do this full time, yeah, you bet your bottom dollar that I will be here not just once a day, but twice a day. I will have a morning show and I would have an evening show. And it would be, you know, minimum five days a week, but probably six. But like I said, you know, if God has that in his plans for me down the road, great. If not, no big deal. Don't care. But just you guys should just, you know, if you're wondering, man, why is Jason all of a sudden going from 7 p.m. to 4 p.m.? And sometimes he does a show, sometimes he doesn't. That's why. All right. There's a lot of unknown variables that pop up. But generally, I like to try to stick to a 7 p.m. start schedule. I might move that up to 630. I'm not sure, but yeah, seven for right now. So anyways, quick little disclaimer. Remember, as I always state periodically on the podcast, I am not a doctor. I do not wear a white coat. I'm not a financial advisor, a pastor, priest, deacon, biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer. I do not give out legal advice, and I am also not the official face or voice of the national, state, or county assemblies. Additionally, I do not advocate for violence. I am my own man, and the thoughts, words, and statements are, and opinions, for that matter, are of my own unless I reference other material. So there you go. So we are going to be, again, doing a reading from Genesis chapter 50. Before we do, a little bit of housekeeping. Just want to let you all know I do have a website. It's www.hishardline.com. On that website, you will find a Give, Send, Go. That's, there's a Give, Send, Go on the homepage toward the top. It's a link that goes right to the campaign. Um, those that have contributed already, I do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Also, you can also, if if you feel inclined, this is not a, uh, a request, but if you feel inclined to, uh, people can definitely most certainly do, um, I forgot what they're called, like little coffee emojis or whatever. You could buy a coffee or whatever it is. There's like little things you can do called pod bean points, but Preferably, I really rather not do that just because it's such a pain in the butt because I have to use GoFundMe for that at that point. Um, excuse me, not GoFundMe. What do I got to use? I got to use PayPal. So if you do the Podbean point things and you you know give pod points to me, um, I have to wait in the middle of the month, every month, and then it transfers from Podbean over to PayPal. And then from there, from PayPal to my account, and of course, they charge some stupid fee. And if I'm going to get charged any fee, I'd rather be on a donation basis, like give, send, go, where I've set it up, you know, set up to doing like 7% or whatever it is. So, so anyways, but there's that, um, but share the podcast far and wide. That's what I will ask you share this with at least five friends or family members. Okay. Put it out there because we need to keep building this up. Um, so anyways, let's get right to the reading, shall we? And then we'll have a little conversation about a few different things here after the reading. So here we go. So 
Genesis chapter 50. I'm reading out of my favorite version of the Bible. It's a New American Bible, revised edition. Chapter 50. Now we're talking about Jacob's funeral, and it reads, Joseph flung himself upon his father and wept over him as he kissed him. Then Joseph ordered the physicians in his service to embalm his father. When the physicians embalmed Israel, they spent 40 days at it. And for that is the full period of embalming. And the Egyptians mourned him for 70 days. And when the period of mourning was over, Joseph spoke to Pharaoh's household, If you please appeal to Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, I am dying. Bury me in the grave, in my grave that I have prepared for myself in the land of Canaan. So now let me go up to bury my father, then I will come back, Pharaoh replied. Go and bury your father as he made you promise an oath. <clears throat> so Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all of Pharaoh's officials, who were senior members of his household and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as Joseph's household, his brothers and his father's household. Only their children and their flocks and herds were left in the region of Goshen. Chariots, too, and horsemen went up with him. It was a very imposing retinue. Now, when they arrived at Goran Hatad, which is beyond the Jordan, they held there a very great and solemn memorial service, and Joseph observed seven days of mourning for his father. And when the Canaanites who inhabited the land saw the mourning of Goran Hatad, and they said, This is a solemn funeral on the part of the Egyptians. This is why the place was named Abel Mizraim. It is beyond the Jordan. Thus Jacob's sons did for him as he had instructed them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah, facing on Mamre, the field of Abraham, had bought for a burial ground from Ephron the Hittite. After Joseph had buried his father, he returned to Egypt, and together with his brothers and all who had gone up with him for the burial of his father, now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful and thought, Suppose Joseph has been nursing a grudge against us, and now most certainly will pay us back in full for all the wrong we did him. So they sent to Joseph and said, Before your father died, he gave us these instructions. Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive the criminal wrongdoing of your brothers who treated you harmfully. So now please forgive the crime that we, the servants of God, of your father committed. And, and when they said this to him, Joseph broke into tears. Then his brothers also proceeded to fling themselves down before him and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph replied to them, Do not fear. Can I take the place of God? Even though you meant harm, to me, God meant it for good to achieve this present end and the survival of many people. So now do not fear. I will provide for you and your children by thus speaking kindly to them. He reassured them. And Joseph remained in Egypt and together with his father's household, he lived a hundred and ten years. He saw Ephraim's children to the third generation and the children of Manasseh's son, Machir were also born on Joseph's knees. Now Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. God will surely take care of you and lead you up from this land to the land that he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then putting the sons of Israel under oath, he continued, When God thus takes care of you, you must bring my bones up from this place. 
Joseph died at the age of 110. He was embalmed and laid to rest in a coffin in Egypt. And that is the reading of Genesis chapter 50. That is the final chapter uh, in Genesis. And where we go from there, I don't know. But I will tell you tomorrow will be a reading out of Psalm 31 uh, in lieu of Mother's Day coming up, Psalm 31. So if you'd like to get a head start and see what that says, that's a very good psalm. Uh, regarding a hard-working woman, a mother, a wife, it's a good psalm. It's a good, good poem. Excuse me, not psalm, not psalm, Proverbs. Proverbs 31. There we go. Boy, I can't get my book straight today. Come on, Jason. So what do we read here in Genesis 50? Genesis 50. <clears throat> Excuse me. So immediately following uh, Jacob's death, Joseph weeps openly and falls on his father's body, kissing his face. and and, and this death hits him pretty hard. And so after ordering Jacob, Jacob's body to be embalmed, likely meaning to be mummified by the Egyptian doctors, Joseph will set about obeying his father's final wish to be buried in Canaan. Now, fi- uh, you know, first, however, the state of Egypt observes an official 70-day period of mourning. That's a long time. This is an extraordinary gesture towards a man otherwise unconnected to that culture. And though Joseph had been invested with incredible authority, he is still technically a slave to the ruler of Egypt. Now the king, known by the title Pharaoh, must be consulted if Joseph is to leave the country. And he asked through a messenger, possibly because those in mourning were not allowed to physically see the Pharaoh, Not only does Pharaoh agree to allow Joseph and his brothers to leave for the burial, but he sends a huge delegation of Egyptian servants and dignitaries along to honor Jacob. Wow. And so in addition, Pharaoh sends horsemen and chariots as with Jacob's mourning period. This is what you would call an extravagant affair. Now, along the way, the massive funeral procession stops at a field. And there they spent seven days in traditional ritual mourning rites. And since most of the party are Egyptian, the local Canaanites wonder what had happened. Now, the event is so noteworthy that the Canaanites renamed the field. And this is a play on words since the Hebrew term for mourning and meadow are almost identical. Huh, very interesting. I did not know that. And so Abel Mizraim means meadow of the Egyptians, but sounds much like mourning of the Egyptians as well. Now, after this, Joseph and his brothers complete their quest to bury Jacob with his fathers and then return to Jacob, or excuse me, return to Egypt. Now that Jacob is gone, his brothers, meaning Joseph's brothers, are overwhelmed with guilt and fear, and they think, crap. They're now concerned that Joseph was only holding back his rage against them for the sake of his father. Now, many years ago, if you can't recall from what we read, they had a jealous, you know, they, they had jealously sold Joseph into slavery to the Egyptians. And as it happened, Joseph survived and became a powerful man in Egypt and rescued his own estranged family from starvation. And the brothers have already acknowledged their guilt, but feared that Joseph would still be vengeful right, that he would still show vengeance towards them now that Jacob's gone. And they send him a message, now supposedly from Jacob, pleading with him to be forgiving. They then come to Joseph in person 
and grovel at his feet. Now, Joseph's response is one of a very pivotal one. It's a pivotal verse in this particular scripture because first he weeps either at the thought of their unneeded fear or as he recalls all he has been through. Now, Joseph does not mince words. He clearly states that what his brothers did was evil and intentionally so. However, Joseph is just as blunt about God's ability to use his own suffering for a greater purpose. Now, Joseph's suffering as a wretched slave for 13 years. 13. But this put him in a position of immense prestige and comfort and power. It also allowed him to save many lives, including those of his own family. Those hard 13 years would lead to 80 years of incredible prosperity. And so Joseph reassures his brothers that he has no intention of seeking revenge and plans you know, to continue protecting his you know, extended family. So the rest of Joseph's life story is summarized by a few verses at the end explaining his good fortune. He senses his impending death at 110 years old and you know, he has lived long enough to see his great-great-grandchildren. And as Jacob dig, Joseph makes Israel's son most likely the living heads of their tribes. Swear to take his body from Egypt someday. This will be accomplished by Moses, centuries in the future. And when Joseph dies, he is also embalmed and his remains are kept in a coffin in the possession of Israel. So this ends the book of Genesis, as we all know, and the earlier verses of the book of Exodus explain how Israel grew and prospered. Now that process continues or continued for centuries. Now, unfortunately, a new regime will come into power in Egypt and with no memory of love of Joseph, this dynasty will be one to brutally enslave Jacob's descendants, setting up God's rescue and establishment of Israel as a nation. So that's what we're going to end up getting into if we get into Exodus next. Maybe I might do Exodus next. I don't know. Part of me wanted to do Deuteronomy, but I don't know. Maybe we'll just continue on with Exodus. I am not sure what we'll do. So um, so anyway, so that kind of concludes the reading of Genesis chapter 50 and the summary. So just a couple things now. We're going to get into... Um, we're going to get into, uh, just a couple little pieces of conversation here. I wanted to get into real quick or not really conversation, but I wanted to play a few things. Hold on. Let me, uh, cancel this call. I had Darren with Patriots with grit trying to give me a call. I'll have to give him a call back because we were trying to set up maybe me being on their show, uh, talking about how we need to elevate more voices, uh, to discuss the education of, you know, the assemblies and what we need to do to restore this Republic. So I'll have to give him a call back. But, uh, anyway. So a couple things, I thought this was pretty, um, well, let's do this. So I guess to kind of talk about, apparently, you know, Title 42 expires tonight at midnight. Um, I was listening to another podcast. Again, I'm just going to keep names nameless because I just, I don't want to put any more notoriety or, you know, recognition towards him at all than he already has, because I still think he's still abusing his power with behind, you know, being behind a microphone of a large audience. That's just me personally. But he interviewed somebody that's gone all over the place and he was, you know, down there in Central America by the, I think it was called the 
the Darien Strait, or I forgot what it's called, the something gap, the Darien Gap. I don't know. It's basically where all the foreigners from different parts of the world, Chinese, Middle Easterners, Cubans, um, you got Haitians, you got so many people going to Central America by boat. They get there and supposedly he just he's he knows all the traffic of all these migrants and where they're going. He you know, they don't move up to the southern border. Um, until they meet with him. Now, what he does, I don't know. Apparently, he was a you know a former military. He's a veteran. Um, I, I don't know informational warfare. I don't know what exactly he did. I was listening very closely to that interview, and what I want to know is what is he doing and who is he being funded by by traveling all over the world, looking at all these basic you know military coups and you know, watching stuff happen. Cause he was saying, you know, he was in Portland, Washington. He was down in Atlanta when, you know, um, you know, Antifa was burning stuff down and all that other stuff. Right. He was, uh, you know, he, he was there in the Netherlands when they had their, you know, election going on and watching, like he basically studies warfare. But what I want to know is, okay, that's fine and dandy and all, but who are you being funded by? Who are you being paid by? What's your intentions for traveling all over the place and watching these migrants go from Central America up to, you know, our southern border? Because he said within 48 hours, he was going to go from the uh, Darien Gap or wherever he was at up to the southern border there in Texas to watch all the same migrants come in that he saw come in down there in Central America. It's like, well, what's your purpose? What's the purpose and who are you being funded by? Because he still really didn't make that clear. So Biden said earlier, it's going to be chaotic for a while. I quote. Again, I don't know if we're looking at the real Biden, but the Biden lookalike said it's going to be chaotic for a while because fake President Biden predicted that the U.S. southern border will be a chaotic for a while as Title 42 ends and his new border policies come into effect. What new border policies? There's no new border policies. Their new border policies is there is no border. We're going to let everybody come in. We're going to let everybody take over America. And it's not it's not Mexicans. OK, keep in mind, it's not just Mexicans. You got people down there from the middle east because they're setting you know there's prayer rugs down there. there's uh videos of prayer rugs being rolled out there's people from china apparently somebody uh that got you know uh taken in custody by border patrol a chinese migrant uh was caught and being investigated having child child pornography on his phone yeah and these are the people that we're going to have come up flooding our border this is great this is wonderful and people are okay with this do you understand how not cool this is? And I'm not trying to be funny. This is really severely not cool what's about to happen. I drive for a living. You all know that. I deliver gas. So I'm all over the state of Michigan. You know what I've noticed consistently on a regular basis? Let me share something with you. Typically, like clockwork, every day, at least the times that I go down to South Bend on I-94, 196, every day I see a yellow bus, like a charter bus. And I believe it says tornado on it. Tornado, tornado. Let me, let me look it up real quick. It's a yellow bus. 
Google. Let's go to the dreaded Google real quick. Tornado uh, Charter Mexican Bus. Because there's no English on it at all. It's all American word or uh, in, uh, Spanish words. Yeah, it's a yellow bus. It's got some red accents on it. It's called Tornado or Tornado. It's a charter bus. And let's see if I can get a side view of this because it has like all the towns that it goes to. Let me see here. Here it is. I think I can see it from this angle. Yeah. Let me blow this picture up real quick so I can read. Yeah. And so apparently this tornado bus or tornado. So it goes to Atlanta, Virginia, Tennessee, Indiana, Detroit, and Kentucky. Now that's what it says on one part of the bus. Now up on the windows, it says Zamora, Methuala, Methuala, Apeso, Queretero, Acambaro, Morlia. And there's other, there's other, you know, of course, other words, um, towns on the other side. But it makes me wonder what what are they doing? What are they what are they bringing up? Who are they bringing up? Because I see this bus every day, this tornado bus that's got Spanish written all over it. Are they bringing people, migrants from Mexico, up to Atlanta, Tennessee, Virginia, Detroit? Like I want to know. Why is that bus bring, like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know, why is that bus going from Mexico to those locations? I'm very curious. You know, there's a guy, um, so he, I don't work with him. He, he works for the company that uh, allows our company to park our trucks at. It's a mechanic shop. It's a truck garage and they fix and they work on our trucks. This particular individual does a lot of odd and end jobs around the property. Uh, typically he w- works in the wash bay, washing out trailers and semis, stuff like that. He's 41 years old. He's a good man. He doesn't even look 41. He actually looks like he's about, you know, 35. He actually looks younger than I do. God bless him. But. Over a year ago, he lost his 21-year-old son to a motorcycle accident. Now, what had happened was not the fault of his son. What had happened was an illegal migrant ran a stop sign and smashed into his son while he was riding his motorcycle. Killed him right on the spot. 21 years old. Needless to say, this illegal migrant ran. And he was gone for quite a time. They couldn't find him. Well, finally, almost, what, maybe two or three months ago, they found this guy. They knew exactly who it was. I don't know how they how they figured it out, but they figured out who it was somehow. I forgot what the sequence of events were, but they figured out who this individual was, but they just couldn't find him. Well, he was trying to go back over the border, back to Mexico, running. 
and they caught him down there. Thankfully. So then they extradited him back up to Michigan. He went through court, trial, all that whatever crap that, you know, the de facto does. Well, needless to say, make a long story short, uh, his bail was set at like uh, $70,000. So basically seven grand, he was able to get back out. And now this is what the court's trying to tell him. Now, I understand what the court is getting at by saying this to him. But it shouldn't it shouldn't take a court to do this because what they're what they're doing is they're showing leniency to for illegal immigration and that there's no consequences for your actions. Because had anybody else from this country ran a stop sign and then ran after hitting and killing a a, a man on a motorcycle, you damn well better believe that the book would have gotten thrown at you. But what the court's telling this guy that is up there where we park our trucks, I'm going to keep his name uh, anonymous, but he's saying, you know, why don't you try, you know, forgiving this man and and uh, show some mercy on him and so, you know, he, he doesn't have to go to prison uh, for the maximum time. And, and basically what they're trying to do is trying to let this guy off scot-free with very minimal consequences is, is what the court's basically asking this father who lost his only son, by the way. Yes, he's got two daughters, but this was his only son. And they're trying to tell him, just forget about it. Just forgive and forget. You know, that, that should come from a, uh, that, that kind of thing should come from God placing that on your heart, not from a court trying to show favor to an illegal migrant. Sorry. Not sorry. You guys can hate me all you want for what I'm saying, but that's bullshit. I'm just saying. I agree with the court is saying only if it came from God and placed it on his heart. Then I would be like, good on you. But because it's coming from the court, get out of here. So this is what we're doing. We're going to teach illegals to come over to our country. Look, I don't have a problem with migrants. My grandmother was a uh, was a migrant from Germany, but she did it lawfully. She didn't come over here seeking the benefits and freebies. She did it lawfully, went through the whole naturalization process or whatever it is that you know immigrants go through. She did it all correctly, learned English, and abided by the rules and laws of this country. She didn't trespass and harm other people. This particular individual came into our country illegally, ran a stop sign. Look, you may not be able to read the word stop because it's not in Spanish, but damn it, I'm sure a big bright red hexagon is pretty evident that, hey, I'm pretty sure I need to stop because you got a red light at a stoplight. That generally is a universal symbol of stop. You don't even need words on it. You see a big red circle at an intersection. Most people, common sense wise, would tell you, I'm pretty sure I might need to stop here and make sure there's no cars coming the other directions. So what we're doing is what this court's trying to do is enable this bad behavior because in this, because this guy, let, let me also, I forgot this little detail. This particular migrant, illegal migrant, had been arrested and jailed multiple times prior to this hit and run. 
And this court wants this father who lost his one and only son to say, oh, forgive and forget. Let's not put him in jail for, for that long. Like two months and, and he'll learn his lesson. No, he won't. I feel bad for this guy. You could tell, even though it's been a year since he lost his only son, it still hurts him pretty bad. And it probably will hurt for many years, I'm sure. Anyway, so there's that. We need a remedy to fix this problem that's going to occur here at midnight. Well, Jason, what's the problem? Well, Title 42 expires. Yeah, but Title 42, I thought, was instituted when the whole COVID crisis started. Yes. But see, there's also other mechanisms that Trump, you know, put in place. And, you know, regardless of COVID, fake COVID, con, you know, the COVID con, it kept our borders, you know, kept these people from coming in over illegally. Because, look, we don't have the infrastructure and the benefits to be pouring into people who didn't work to contribute to these benefits. I mean, this whole system we have is just jacked up. Why should other people come from other countries to get a bunch of freebies when we have a ton of people, children mostly, and, and widows and people that are struggling because of inflation and, and loss of job or whatever? Why are we going to take care of people from other countries when we have a ton of people in our own country that need a lot of help? Now, I'm not about freebies. I'm not about welfare. But I am about providing a little bit of help until that individual, man or woman, gets up on their feet to provide for their own self. I am about taking care of a child who has no parents to take care of them. Yes, that I'm on board with. But we have so many people, men and women and children, that are struggling in this country. But yeah, we're going to let a flood of 100,000 plus people come over in one night or more. I don't know. I'm not down there, so I can't see what's actually coming over. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, we got, we got, craziness down at the border we got this town hall that trump did driving all the liberals nuts we got this documentation and proof of the biden fraud and money laundering and oh trust me they're going to get into the whole crimes against people too you know the kid diddling and pedophilia crap that's coming you better believe that You know, we got all this stuff happening. Look here, look there, look over there. Meanwhile, what's taking place behind the left, behind the back with the left hand while the right hand's trying to distract you up in the air? What's going on behind the back and the left hand? See, the people who are trying to sow chaos in our country are the same people that are also probably more than likely funding infiltrators and obfuscators that are trying to get deeply embedded in our assemblies to try to throw them off. Because here's what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, when we get our states and we need minimum of 38 of them, but we're going to get all 50. When we get our states assembled, reassembled and settled, the power then shifts truly back to the people and the military becomes 100% subordinate to the civil power, the civil power being you and I. 
when that shift in power occurs and the de facto's house of cards ends up tumbling, guess what ends up happening? You remember all those sealed indictments that Durham's sitting on? Well, guess what? That would mean then we would have to have, a, that's why we need our counties assembled and settled after you get your state reassembled. Because we're going to have to unseal all those indictments, but this is why we need three quarters of our, we need a lot of counties assembled and settled because these are our petite trial juries that are going to be taking care of these trials. Military can only handle so much. They can only do so many tribunals. They only have so much capacity and limited resources logistically to handle that kind of, you know, those kind of indictments. It's going to take we the people on so many different levels of, in so many different counties across different reassembled states. And along with those sealed indictments comes with additional arrest of these people who have committed crimes against humanity, who have committed crimes against children and, and murder. I mean, you name it. They're going to be sent to the gallows or a guillotine. And if you think I'm kidding, Listen to the tone of my voice. Do I sound like I'm kidding? And you guys know me. I'm usually pretty laughy and jokey. We're not in the 11th hour, guys. We are like two minutes before midnight, five minutes before midnight. This is, we got some serious crap going on here. And if you think that this is a joke and you think that white hats are going to, you know, that the military is the only way, listen. Here's something people need to realize. And I think this is why Scott over at Bards FM always laughs at that, that saying, oh, the military is in control. The military is the only way. Well, listen, I see where his criticism comes from, but you need to understand this. It took retired military admirals and generals, and I don't know their, their titles and positions that they held. But yes, it stemmed starting with the military, the Restore America plan. Going all the way back to the 50s with General Douglas MacArthur when he studied under the field training manual 2000-25. That manual, was, which was released by the War Department in 1928, it instructed how to return a nation back to a republic from a democracy. And FDR was trying to destroy that field training manual because he didn't want any remnants of that to be put out. Ask yourself why. Because he knew it would expose the treasonous piece of garbage that he is and what he was trying to do to this nation and try to take it down from within with his communistic, socialistic bullcrap. And so this started with the military, with General Douglas MacArthur and many others who followed in his footsteps and, and were in the special forces, you know, carrying out the plans of Operation Blue Book, also known as, you know, Restore America Plan. So this started with the military. It doesn't mean that it ends with the military. See, the military has been carrying this ball down to the end zone this whole time. They've been, they've been running the field. They've been trying to run down the clock. And now we're getting to a point now where it's game time. Some major plays have to take place in order for us to get this big win that we need. But it, it's only going to start when we got God at our backs. 
We need to humble ourselves, get on our freaking knees, look up to the heavens and ask our heavenly father, God, forgive us for as a nation and each of us individually, but we need you now. Please be with us because we need our assembly of states so we can take over this evil empire, this evil regime that has enslaved us and has encroached on our freedoms and our sovereignty and our liberties who have stolen from us. They have enslaved us. We're done, but we need you, God. We can't do this by ourselves. We're down to the last few seconds on the game clock, guys. I don't know how any other way to put it. I feel like I'm spinning my tires in mud here, repeating myself like a skipping record. I I don't know how else to get this message out there. Yeah, but Jason, assembling a state's not that easy. I understand that. But find the one who will find the many. Have conversations. That's all it takes. Start Talk about this stuff, guys. Instead of sitting at your dinner table or going to the bar and drink, sucking down some alcoholic beverages or, you know, trying to catch a golf game or, you know, binge watch Netflix or scrolling in your damn Facebook, why don't you start having conversations with people around you? Get outside in your neighborhood. Take walks. Look, most people are pretty upset about the current state of affairs of our country, the inflation and, and income staying the same. People are struggling. I can't tell you how many people I run into on a daily basis that just complain about what's going on in this country. It's a very easy introduction to talk about what the Assembly of States is all about. Look, you don't have to be a professional at this. You don't have to know all the facts and figures and information on this, but you know the basics. Go back and listen to some of these shows. They're on my website. Just go to the National Assembly link. I got key podcasts right over there. Listen to the compendium, the short U.S. history history of of our country. Listen to some of Destry's interviews that he did on Patriots with Grit and, and Lena's Power, Passion, Freedom show. Listen to him. Go listen to Josh Lehman on Patriots with Grit. But you're not going to be able to have these good, intelligent conversations with other people to discuss the remedy that is needed if you're not somewhat well-versed on what we are, what we do, and how this is the only lawful, peaceful way to restore our republic. Anyway, I'm going to keep pounding this nail until it gets embedded into this piece of wood. I mean, I'm, and I'm going to keep pounding more nails until we get our full 50 states. We need it. All right, so we're going to end on a couple other sound pieces I want to play real quick. Very short by our favorite guy, Buddy Brown. He's a country music artist, but he also does little miniature four to five minute video stream type podcast stuff discussing relevant events. Um, I kind of like this. This is kind of funny. So let's listen to see what Mr. Buddy Brown has to say here. 
Y'all remember when face and neck tattoos would get you denied for work? Now it's using pronouns. My buddy owns a financial firm down here and one of these pronoun freaks applied. Mr. Blue Hair showed up with a list of demands including personal days, mental health days, and how everybody had to address them at work. My buddy laughed his ass off and threw him out of the building and framed the demand letter above the door. People who use pronouns on their resumes are really doing you a favor because it's way easy to weed them out before the interview. Look, there's no purpose in hiring someone who doesn't even realize who or what they are. These days, half the population needs a job, the other half needs daycare. Grow the hell up or be happy with half the success if you insist on pronouns in your email signature. I say dress how you want, marry whoever you want, but don't you ever demand to change anyone else's language. Check your damn politics at the door. That's right. Check your damn politics at the door. I couldn't agree with this guy more. I love Buddy Brown. He's got some really good stuff here, some good information, and some, quite frankly, some good advice. I mean, but seriously, anybody who uses pronouns in their email, their LinkedIn, or their resume, that should tell you everything you need to know about these people. And no, I'm not going to, you know, don't sit there and tell me, well, Jason, that's being prejudging. Get the hell out of here, okay? Any idiot moron who puts pronouns down in their freaking application or their resume and, and says, this is how I, I prefer to be addressed, you know, I here's how you should be addressed. Hey, uh, butt wipe, uh, you're not hired because you're quite frankly, you're a big moron and your blue hair freaks me out. Get out. I'm not going to address you by they, them, or, you know, the pronouns of your choice. Get out of here. I'll tell you what you can address me as, sir. That's how you address me. Let's see what else Buddy Bound has to say. There's one more audio piece. This is good. Maybe if I can push play art correctly. We're going to get into the genius of rap lyrics. Two chains. She got a big booty, so I call her Big Booty. <laughs> That's deep. P. Diddy, young, black, and famous with money hanging out the anus. <laughs> You're going to want to see a doctor about that. Jay-Z, 38, revolved like the sun around the earth. Okay, the earth is actually revolving around the sun, though. Foxy Brown, 32 grams raw, chop it in half, get 16, right? Double it times three, we got 48. Kanye West, I keep it 300 like the Romans. Okay, that was actually the Spartans, which was ancient Greece, not ancient Rome. Kanye again, I live by two words, F you and pay me. Okay, that's four words. All right, kids, this is what you get when you mix drugs with a sixth grade education. Stay in school. God of mercy. Yeah, God of mercy is right. And this is the kind of crap that they peddle to our kids in music. You get these morons out here that spit stupid lyrics like this out there that are pointless. They put out a bad message. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't take my chance at trying to create some rap songs back in my day. I certainly did. One of them was a very, very dirty song. And no, I will never play that on the air ever, even bleeped out. It's that provocative and bad. Uh, it was during a time of heavy smoking of weed and a lot of drinking of liquor. Um, so my mind was taken over by Satan, I would say. So I've deleted all that stuff because I just choose not to have that anymore in my possession. But look, by and large, the music industry, they're out there for one reason. 
well, two reasons. One, obviously to make a ton of money, but number two, it, they're to use that music as an indoctrination tool, as a brainwashing tool to be able to infiltrate the minds of young Americans so they can try to control them much easier. So then when somebody like you or I tries to approach them about the National Assembly and how to reassemble your state, because this is the only way to restore our republic and get the power back to we the people in our hands, these people who are elitist and in the music industry, what they're banking on is this young mind to look at people like you and I to be like, eh, that just sounds like a whole lot of work, man. I'm just going to listen to my Jay-Z and smoke my weed and I'm going to get drunk and party it up, get crunk, you know, YOLO, you know, man, you only live once. I'm going to go to the nightclub and I'm going to go get, you know, chase some of that, you know, tang and I'm going to try to get laid, blah, blah, blah. Like that's what they, that's what they're banking on. That's what they're banking young Americans to do. They want them stupid, horny, drunk, and retarded. That's what they want them. So it's harder or it's easier for them, meaning the elites, it's easier for the elites to take over a nation. You demoralize a nation, you could take over the nation that much easier. Yeah, partly. Read that. Yeah, Paul Federico actually makes a very good point too, because there's a lot of little witchcraft that's involved in a lot of this music too. He was saying some music are akin to a spell. Repetition can change the way one sees themselves and others, and he's absolutely right. That actually sounds like that would be maybe a good subject for a podcast in the future, because music, and I mean, look, we always say words hold a lot of meaning, right? Words are powerful. Words have meaning. Well, how they conduct and produce this music, again, like he was saying, it is akin to a spell. Getting in the minds of people, again, that's like kind of going down that road of like the MK Ultra type stuff. Right? So, anyway, that is the plus plus part of the conversation after the reading. I'm not quite sure what we're going to get into next going forward. Maybe Exodus, I don't know, maybe Deuteronomy. I don't know, we'll see. We'll see how I feel. But I know tomorrow, like I said, tomorrow is going to be a later show. Uh, I have to be in Grand Rapids. I'm not sure how long that appointment's going to take. Um, I just know it's going to be later. It's not going to be at 7. It might even be 8 or 9. I'm not sure. I may or may not do a show on Saturday morning before my state face-to-face meeting that we have for the assembly. More than likely, probably not. So Saturday and Sunday will be dead air. If you come over here, you won't hear anything unless, you you know, push replay on something. But uh, I'll be on tomorrow. It'll be a little later, though. Not sure when, but I'll try to give you as much advance notice as possible. All right. So let's uh, let's get into a quick prayer and then we're going to close this out so I can go outside and do some yard work. Heavenly Father, just want to say thank you. As always, thank you. Um, I know it seems so basic in a prayer, but. We just need to always remember to be grateful and show appreciation for everything that you've provided us in our day. You provided us with the air in our lungs that allowed us to wake up and breathe in life so we can get up and go to that, you know, go to a job that allows us to take care of our family. That allows us to provide a roof over our head and clothes on our back and food that allows us to feed our bellies and stay healthy and nutritious as long as it's real food. We want to say thank you for the gift of companionship with our spouse and for the awesome, unique love that a parent has towards a child. 
Now I understand why you gave up your only begotten Son for us. As you state in John 3.16, the love of a parent to a child, there is no other love out there. And so we appreciate that experience here on this earth. We thank you for all the many blessings you bring towards us. We thank you for all the things that we don't think about to say thank you for. There's so many things we often forget, and we, um, be honest with you, we probably take for granted. But thank you for everything. We pray all of this in your Holy Son's name. Oh, and before we say amen, and we also want to pray for the special intentions out there. Um, this was by somebody on the chat board, Nancy. And yes, if we could, please hear the prayers of those who have hidden prayers in their hearts. People who don't know how to put in words what they're feeling in their heart or people who are just so pained that they don't, you know, they just don't, they can't work it in them to put it in words. So recognize these prayers, dig deep into their heart so you know what they're, what they're needing. And I hope and pray that you can address a lot of these prayers. And we pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. I hope I didn't get too real or too uh, crabby sounding here on this show. But, you know, like I said, you guys know me pretty well. I, I generally like to have a good time. I laugh a lot. Um, but like I said, we're getting to a point now where we need more people to start stepping up. We need more people to get involved in their assembly. All right. I need you guys to share this podcast far and wide. I need, that's why I wanted to talk with Darren over there with Patriots with Grit, because maybe we could talk on a show about what we need to do to get more voices elevated out there. And I see Destry just rolled in the chat room here. Um, once he fully heals from his um, uh, oral surgery that he has, he will be doing a, uh, he will start doing video podcasting or video cat streaming. All right. So that's what I wanted to talk to Darren about. Do an episode with Patriots with Grit. Um, but yeah, like Destry was saying, we need an army of assembly members to not only spread the word of God, but also spread the education of the assembly. And then Paul Federico says, why don't you do a uh, crossovers? And we will, actually. That's really the thing. You know, um, the, the thing is, is, you know, schedules sometimes are very conflicting because of uh, the time difference, right? Different time zones people are in. Um, I would love nothing more than to have Destry, you know, on this show. But, you know, there's a five-hour difference, uh, four or five, I can't remember now. I just know, let's see, well, let's see, it's five o'clock here. So five, four, three, two, I think it's like, what, one o'clock his time, I think. Um. But, you know, the thing is, it's, oh, yeah, one o'clock over there, his time. But, you know, the thing is, is that, um, you know, there obviously will naturally be crossover. That's why, you know, we have Josh Lehman on this show. And I need to text him, let him know, hey, look, open invite, just FYI, so he knows. Um, Brock and, and, and Wisconsin, Annie from Wisconsin, you know, they were on with Patriots with Grit. Um, obviously, I'm going to be on, you know, at, hopefully at some point with Darren and Randy over there at Patriots with Grit as well. So there is going to be natural crossover. But the bottom line is, is that people need to kind of start working on their own platforms because we need to be the echo chambers of truth. We need to be the echo chambers for God. 
we need to be the echo chambers of pushing out the education and, and, and what's going on with the assembly. Because again, if there's more of us out there, that means it's harder for them to take us down. See, right now it's still pretty easy. They could easily deplatform me. They could easily deplatform Darren and Randy. They could easily deplatform Kirk Pendergrass. It's so easy to deplatform just a few. But now you get 30 or 300, right? It makes it harder for them to do it because you could deplatform a few of us. But guess what? Now you're going to still have about 280 more people out there. So, anyway. I hope you all have a great day or night wherever you're at in the world. Thank you for joining us. I do apologize for the earlier show. But uh, like I said, tomorrow will be a little bit of a later show when I get back from my uh, appointment. And, uh, yeah, until then or the next time, I hope you all have a blessed day. All right, we'll see you back here tomorrow. And remember, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. Do not let the enemy cross that line. Hold that line. God bless. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds of the sea obey him?